Are you guys excited to be back? We, we are excited to have you back. This place is way too quiet when you guys are not here. So I've got some slides I want to show you as we welcome you all back. And so we'll launch out with this first slide. Welcome home. So we have, I don't know how many, a thousand, somewhere near that number, freshmen on campus. If you are a freshman and you're in the room, would you stand up and let us welcome you to Cedarville University? If you are a sophomore and you are back, would you stand up and let us welcome you back to Cedarville University? If you are a junior and you are coming back, would you stand up and let us welcome you back home to Cedarville University? <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that. It's Stingham, is that right? With the pink, is that, uh, yeah, yeah, they're trying to start something new. So if you see somebody walking around like this, they're not practicing their British tea. That's sting them, sting them, sting them, right? Both or just one? It doesn't matter. All right, okay, it doesn't matter. All right, well, it's good to have all of you back, and so I'm glad you're here. And Am I forgetting somebody? <laughs> all, right. all right, I'm just kidding. All right, if you are a senior and you are in the house, stand up. All right, I, I should probably also acknowledge super seniors or grad students who are in the house. Stand up. Yeah. All right, so this summer we added 320 seats to the chapel, and I still see people standing along the back wall. So as you come in, there's some empty seats scattered throughout, but as you come in, if you guys just... Do what you got to do for today. But in the future, just kind of make sure all of those seats are taken. Slide in. Do whatever you need to. I know it's awkward if you're an introvert like I am. You don't like to slide in. I like to sit on the edge so I can run for cover if I need to. But <laughs> we need to get everybody in here. So make sure you slide in. Uh, if you show up one day and it just is absolutely packed and you can't find a seat, there is overflow in the recital hall. And so you can go over there. We don't want to use that on a regular basis because I, I think we'll be fine. But 320 additional seats. So we'll do that. All right. Let me talk to you about some things that happened and that are going to happen. Are y'all ready to hear an update? So this is an update chapel. For those of you, I'm not, I'm not opening a text and walking through a text. This is just kind of let you know what's happened, what's going to happen. We know where we're going. We're launching into it. So are y'all disappointed we're not opening a text? Yeah, we will get there. Trust me. There are some things I've got to tell you, though. Here's our construction timeline. 
So if you're wondering what's happening, what's going to happen, I don't know if you can see that little yellow, uh, green dot on that center screen, but Chick-fil-A is coming up. The chapel is finished with the expansion. We have some other things taking place. The residence hall is going up, civil engineering. I'm going to show you some pictures of what those will look like. The Cowan Athletic Expansion is on the horizon, a business building and a liberal arts building. So here's your 10-year campus master plan, all right? That's what it looks like. There's a lot going on. This is the thing we're all most excited about, right? So next summer, they will turn it over to us. We'll have it ready to go so that next fall, when you show up, we will launch into eating more Chick-fil-A than we need to eat. And then you can join me in the gym to work off all of that Chick-fil-A that you have eaten, because that's what I'll be doing as well. All right. Here's another picture of the inside looking out. I can't wait to have it finished. It's going to have 300 seats inside, and the gate closes. The space stays open, so you can utilize that space for study groups studying on your own, community building, all sorts of things. It's just going to be a really nice space on campus. So I'm excited about that. Here is our civil engineering building. It will be going up. It's 20,000 square feet. So if you live in the hill, I apologize. I Just straight up, I apologize. It, to get the building up, you have to kind of block off that whole parking lot that's right across from that dorm we created some parking around by the chemistry building. It's not enough. And so we've got some other parking and some other locations. It's just growing pains. It's just going to be a year. I'll talk to you about parking here in just a second. Here's a picture of the residence hall. Mm -hmm. It's a picture from the other side with cars. They already put the cars in place, so... Uh, just so you know, that road that goes down by Varsity Drive, that goes down by the residence hall, is open both ways. And so you don't have to curve through the parking lot. It is open both ways, so use both lanes of traffic. I've encountered a few cars there that thought only the paved side was actually a lane, so we were kind of playing chicken. And it's like, get over it. <laughs> it works. The reason we haven't paved that other side back is they're going to bring in tons of heavy equipment. They're going to tear that road up. So there's no need to pave it just to have it torn up. And so... Drive slow. We can use both sides. Uh, they'll have to block it on occasion, so be careful as you're going down through there. Pay attention. If they're blocking that portion on varsity, that other side will be open. You can kind of go around behind the back. It's just it's growing pains. Again, once this gets finished, that road will be repaved. It'll be as nice as it's ever been, and we'll have a 282-bed dormitory open next fall, which will help with overflow. And so that way, some of you that are in overflow, although most of you I've talked to really enjoy overflow, you get to be in some really nice brand new housing, all right? Okay, Wearsby Library and Reading Room. This is going yeah. up in the BTS. So this is not completed yet. It's not scheduled to be. It will be completed by homecoming is what the target is. So once we have it completed, it'll be a really nice study space. Uh, Dr. Wearsby's library will be in there. You cannot take the books out. You can go in there and use the books there. But if you see somebody hauling books away, you stop them and say, no, 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 no. Integrity and conduct. We don't do that. All right. So, because I trust you guys. All right. So here's the deal. With all this going on, we're going to have some parking issues on campus. So what have we done to try to address those? Here's a slide that gives you some information. But first, let me say to all of you, 
you must register your vehicle to park on campus. All right, can I call a timeout and address something a little more serious right quick? Some of you, oh, you're smart. You're incredibly smart. And you're every bit as sinful as I am. <laughs> you're devious. And you have determined in your mind, if I don't register my car, how are they going to get a ticket to me if I park illegally? I'm seeing one confession going on right over here right now. All right. Guess what? We know you do it. You're taking up faculty and staff designated spots by doing it. It's not integrity and conduct. And this year, as tight as parking is, we're going to have to do more restrictions if you keep doing it. So I need your help to make sure we can still be gracious because we try to be gracious in this area. And as we try to be gracious, there's a way to respond to that. They're gracious. So I'm just going to do it more often so that their grace will abound. Oh, wait a second. I've read something on that before. What was that? Oh, I think it was Paul. May it never be. So register your vehicle, all right? If you see a student getting out of a vehicle that's not registered, just do this to them. Come on, man. I mean, wait. Register the car. Park where you're supposed to park. Give yourself a little extra time. You probably are going to have to park farther away from the buildings than what you might have had to last year. It's going to be tight. It's going to be tight for faculty and staff. We do have reserve spots on campus. Those blue lines mean that's reserved for faculty or staff. And we actually had to pay tax on those this year. We paid $60,000 for all of those reserve spots as part of, I'm not criticizing Trump. This is not a political statement, but it's part of his tax plan. And so if you have a designated spot, it's considered an employee benefit. So we paid $60,000 for that. Here's what we tried to do to help parking. We lost 54 spaces behind the business building. We added, our 45 spaces, we added 54 to Apple. If you notice, that lot has been extended. Uh, we lost 157 spots where the civil engineering building is going up just for this year. So we added 55 spaces beside the chemistry lab, and then we've added a lot more over behind the student center. We tore down that old Jeremiah modular home that was there that it just couldn't be renovated. It wasn't worth doing, and so we tore it down. And we added 100-plus spaces there. And then along Varsity Drive, we also added a new parking lot with 114 spaces. And then did spaces down by South and Harriman off campus. Yeah, those are nice spots. It keeps you guys from parking on the street, which was what years ago when those were in uh, activity as student housing, what happened. So 358 new parking spaces, but we have 202 we can't use right now this year. So we're still up 156 spaces. And we spent over $700,000 on parking. So I want you to know we're trying to address it. We're trying to address it wisely. We'll get some of these spaces back after the construction. So you don't want to overbuild at the same time. But parking is going to be tight. So give me some nonverbal. Will you help me out and make sure all of the cars are registered and you park where you're supposed to? That's really weak. <laughs> all right. I'm just saying we're going to get tighter if you don't do it. All right. Here we go. Next thing's coming up. We have hired architects. The architects are working on the Cowan expansion right now. And so I, I don't know that it'll end up looking like this. It may look different. You're probably wondering, why are there no windows on the bottom floor? That looks a little goofy, but those are locker rooms. You don't really want windows in the locker rooms. So <laughs> we'll figure out if we can make it look better aesthetically. Perhaps this is just a functional rendition of it. Uh, this is what the business building was... Yeah. I, I'm about to talk bad about it, and y'all are cheering it. I mean, 
<laughs> our faculty and staff are laughing because they've already heard me. Um, this is the ugliest building we've ever designed. It's not going to look like this. I'm just saying. It, it's hideous. Look at this thing. We can do better than this. So we have moved. Some of you disagree. We're not letting you design it. All right, how many of you, <laughs> if you have design skills in the room, you know, I'm just being honest. This is just truth. That, that It's not going to look like that. It's going to look better than that. So if you think that looks good, just hold tight because we're going to make it look a lot better than that, all right? And it's going to be more efficient. That walkway in between two separate buildings means you've got extra exterior walls, which means you've got extra costs in it. So we're, we can do better. We just ran out of time. So that's what we have for now. <laughs> so you know how it is. It's like that paper that you're going to make perfect, and all of a sudden the deadline comes, and you just turn in what you have. I mean, this is, <laughs> this is it, yeah. We turned in what we had. It's going to look better. All right. This building I like. So this is the Welcome Center. We're moving it to the front of campus now, which is a change from last year and last time I talked to you about this. And then the Liberal Arts Building will be there as well. This is going to be a really nice building. I am excited to hurry up and get this one done, but it's going to be one of the last projects we do in the 10-year master plan because we have to build the business building to move people out of Milner so we can move people into Milner so we can tear down Williams so we can build this building. So we'll see when it happens. It's going to happen whenever the Lord provides the money for it. So here's the deal. Two things I hear from the rumor mill as we have big plans. The first thing I hear is, oh, the school's taking on a ton of debt and jeopardizing its future. Not true. The second thing I hear is, are they going to raise student tuition to pay for the buildings? Not true. So here's where I need your help. We are in the quiet phase. So shh, don't tell anybody, all right? It's, well, you can tell them. Just tell them quietly because they call it the quiet phase. So the first 12 months, 24 months of a quiet phase is where you talk to your major donors. You get a bunch of people behind your campaign. You make sure you, you're pretty confident it's going to work before you go public with something and then fail miserably with it. This is biblical, by the way, too, because Proverbs says before somebody goes to war, you count. And so you actually plan ahead of time to make sure you're going to accomplish your goal. So we're in that portion of the conversation phase, and the Lord has been incredibly gracious to us. I, I may tell you a little more about that in just a minute. Our goal is to raise $100 million over the next five years. So when you're wondering, how are you going to build all these buildings on campus? There you go. Raise $100 million over the next five years. So we're raising the money for the projects. That means no external loans. I'm, an, I'm a no-debt guy. I don't like debt. And so I try to, we try to pay off everything we have. We want to pay cash for it. The Chick-fil-A, the civil engineering, the dormitory, all paid cash for. The cash is already sitting there ready. So no loans for that. You can clap for that because that's pretty amazing. So then the next thing I've heard is somebody would say, oh, well, why don't you just do $100 million for scholarships? Uh, we try. We try to raise as much money as we possibly can for scholarships. Some people only want to give to buildings. They want to do something that's going to improve the campus experience in this $100 million. There's also $15 million that's just for scholarships. There's another $15 million that's for campus experience. I'll show you the slide that breaks down where all of that is that we're showing all of our donors. And so we're trying to go out and raise a lot of money to make Cedarville even better. That's what we're after, and we have a lot of partners that really want to come alongside and help us in that. Your tuition is not going to be raised so that we can do any of these projects. It's not going to happen, 
All right, one of my goals and one of the things we've done is increase scholarships every year that I've been here. As we increase scholarships, affordability is one of the big concerns and debt level is one of the big concerns because I want you to look back on your years at Cedarville and say that was the greatest blessing I've had, not to look back and say, yeah, but. So we're doing our best to make sure we do that. So will you help me get rid of those rumors? When you hear somebody say, oh, they're raising tuition or they're doing loans, we say, no, 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 no. I, I was in India this summer. I'll tell you more about that in a minute too, but I, one, of the, one of the guys I was with, instead of just saying no, he would say, nay, 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 nay. And I'm like, I like that. I'm going to adopt that. So now it's like, no, 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 no. That's my new, anyway, you'll hear it, whatever. <laughs> I'm having fun. Here's our summary. This is the 100 million breakdown. Yeah, you can read that. So here's one of the things I want to do. Global outreach, $5 million. I would love to get an endowment that can help pay for you to go overseas on a mission trip during your time at Cedarville. So on your prayer list, if you want to add fundraising campaign, my sanity, um, <laughs> global outreach endowment, that would be awesome. Just add it to your prayer list. I'm, I'm not your students. I'm not asking you to give. That's not what I'm at. I'm asking you to pray that the Lord would bring along people that he's given great capacity to, that want to steward their gifts well to look at Cedarville and say, that's a good investment to invest in all of you. And if you would join me in praying that prayer, I think the Lord's got this. He owns the cattle on a thousand hill. He can do this, he can do this overnight in his sleep, snap of the fingers, whatever. So would you join me in praying for that? Now, this summer's been really good. I, I'm not supposed to tell you how good, but we have received the three largest gifts in the history of the institution, pledges anyway, in the history of the institution, all in this past summer. And so would you express appreciation to the Lord for what he's already done? All right, let me tell you a story. Y'all like stories? All right, let me tell you a story. All right, so I am married to the love of my life, joy, which means I always have joy in my heart. I don't know what the deal is. I mean, I'll, some of you are laughing or whatever. It's true. Um, we have fun together. And Joy's mom I was recently diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And so it's a, it's a path that some of you have walked with grandparents. It's a path that many faculty and staff have walked with parents. Uh, it's a path that the Lord has chosen for us to walk. And it's my firm conviction. It always, it always has been a conviction of mine that if you're able to, and as long as you're able to, you take care of your parents. And so my parents took care of me when I couldn't take care of myself. It's a it's a biblical responsibility to make sure you love your parents and you honor your parents well and you take care of your parents as long as you can. Now it's, there are times when you can't. I get all that. I'm not saying more than what I'm actually saying here. So her mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And so she, you have noticed her up here with us. She's up here splitting time between Joy's brother who's in Florida, which is where she really likes to be, especially in the wintertime. And then up here with us uh, where she loves the, all the activity and the fellowship and all that takes place. 
So I, I called our trustees and I said, hey, this is the journey that's ahead for us. Uh, is there an opportunity where I could bring in one of those mother-in-law suite things behind where the president's house currently is and have it sit on the property just towards the back? I don't know if you've ever seen those. You probably haven't. You've had no reason to go look at mother-in-law suites, but they're really nice. I, I really like them. But the, the, un the unfortunate part of that is some people call those granny pods. So we have a board of trustees that is incredibly generous and gracious and loves us and loves you, and they want to make sure that we have excellence in everything we do and quality stamped all over it. And so they were not excited about the idea of a granny pod being brought in and put on any university property, any university property. And so they said, let's look at how we could renovate. Uh, it's a 30-year-old house. It's a house that has one half bath on the main floor. If you've been over there during the Christmas time, you've seen that line that goes to that one half bath that's in the hallway. Uh, it doesn't have a downstairs bedroom, or at least it didn't until we converted the dining room into a downstairs bedroom for the time being. Uh, there are several things kind of missing with it for institutional purposes, including steps everywhere, which means not everybody gets the opportunity to come visit, which we don't like. And so as they looked at it, they thought this is just not a good use of money to renovate a house that's 30 years old that has all of these different issues. So the trustees decided that they were going to build a new house. Now, me as the president, I said, time out. I said, look, that's a bad idea. I said, because here's what everybody's going to say. This is a nightmare for me. Because everybody's going to say he can't be satisfied living in where he's living. Everybody's going to say, oh, it costs $5 million. Look, we don't live in San Francisco. Nothing around here costs $5 million. But... <laughs> And everybody's going to say, using tuition dollars to make this happen. Uh, the trustees politely and graciously said, thank you for your opinion, you're not in charge. <laughs> they're right. It's, they're the ones that set the doctrinal statement. They're the ones, I'm a man under authority. Just like all of us at some level are under authority. And so the response was, yes, sir, I understand. Uh, whatever you see fit to do, see fit to do. So they went, they looked, they decided that to, to go against some of my concerns, that what they were going to do, they would vote on and they would pay for. So if they pay for it, there's no concerns then about student tuition. Uh, there were no concerns about me not being satisfied or us not being satisfied. Our desire was just to make sure we could take care of Joy's mom well. That's what started this. And so the trustees then decided and voted that we were going to build a new president's residence on campus. If you know where our driving range is, it's toward the back of that area on Harbison Road at the corner of campus in an area the campus wouldn't expand further into because it's a neighborhood. There are a lot of houses there. You wouldn't, you wouldn't purchase that property because it would just be too expensive. There's farmland would be much less expensive in a way to expand the institution should it ever need to expand. This would put the house on campus and make it more convenient for you. Uh, if you've been to our house, you likely have had to get into a van at the student center and drive over and get dropped off and then get into a van and be driven back. This would allow us to have people walk over or do other things rather than drive vans to come over to the house. And so the trustees have voted and they have decided that they want to build a house and they're going to pay for it through donations and through the current sale of the, or the sale of the current residence. They're not going to sell it now. They're going to wait till the new one's built. We move into it. Then they'll sell. We're not going to be homeless. All right. Um, <laughs> construction's going to begin soon. When construction begins soon, it's everywhere. Rumors happen. I, I don't think less of anybody because rumors happen. It's our sin nature. It's what we do. If we think we have news nobody else has, we like to talk about it. We, we just, that's just who we are. So I wanted you to know the full story from me ahead of time 
so that when you see that construction taking place and you go, wait a second, he told us about this, 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 and this, but what's that? You know what that is. And I'll let you see what it's supposed to look like. It's going to be nice. Uh, it'll be a flat entrance, as you see there, so that it will be accessible to everyone. It's going to have more than one half bath on the main level. It'll have two half public baths on that main level and some nice entertaining space because we love having you guys over. And we like to do big events as well as small events. And so it's going to accommodate that nicely. And so this will be great. It's been designed for anybody, not just for us, so that future presidents down the line will be able to enjoy that as well. And it's got a, a main floor master bedroom because most presidents are not my age and one day I won't be my age either. And so uh, when you get old, you don't like doing stairs and all that type of stuff. So it's kind of been designed like that. We'll love to have you guys over once it's finished, assuming that it actually happens. I do Lord willing now after faith, uh, Lord willing for everything. So assuming it actually happens, we'd love to host you and have you over there at the right time. All right. So that's what's happening. Awkward conversation for me. So... If you don't ask me any questions about it ever again, I'll be okay with that. Um, <laughs> I just wanted you to know. I wanted you to hear the story. All right, here's some new things going on this week. So every year, everybody shows up. We don't have class yet. We have Bible conference starting tonight. Excited about that. Yeah. The speaker for Bible conference is Dean N. Sarah. Now, it's not Dean and Sarah. No, no, no. It's in Sarah, one word, I-N-S-E-R-R-A. And he's at City Church in Tallahassee, Florida, ministers off of Florida State's campus. Uh, he's written books. He, great, vibrant speaker. You're going to love him. He'll be here tonight. We'll kick off Bible conference, and that'll start. But one of the things that happens is you don't have classes yet. So we end up with a rush at the cafeteria because everybody goes to the cafeteria at the same time. And usually it's in two cycles because you have classes after chapel. Half of you go, the other half go to class. Then you come by. It's longer spread out. So we wanted to try to do something better this year. So here are some options for you. The dining hall. New overflow seating in the event rooms in the upper level of the student center. So if you go into the dining hall and you have trouble finding a seat because everybody's gone at one time, you can grab your food. You can go to the, you can go to the event rooms. Stingers is open immediately. So instead of being delayed a couple of days, you can go to Stingers and you can do your exchange meals available immediately. And so that starts right now. And in the dining hall and also in the BTS, we have grab-and-go stations. And we will have that grab-and-go station all year in the BTS during lunchtime. Just during lunchtime, but during lunchtime. So when you see the grab-and-go, that's something that's for your convenience. If you're in a hurry, if you're in a rush, if you have a tight schedule, if you've booked up classes and you just have a small window to be able to eat, then you can grab and you can go, and hopefully that'll be more convenient for you. Here's the slide on where it's going to be in the BTS. If you're wondering where, you know where the, the convenience machines were before, we've kind of moved those over a little bit. We've got some seating there, and we're going to have the grab-and-go station inside the BTS just off to the right as you go in. Now, we don't know how many meals to prepare for there. I don't know whether you guys are excited about a BTS grab-and-go station or not. So if you're really excited about it and you use it, we may have to do more meals there and we may have to prep more meals. So if you try it and, and something's not, not exactly perfect, it's going to take us a week or two to work out the kinks. 
to figure out exactly how many of you are going to come by, how many of you want meals, what meals you're actually interested in. We'll look at the data. The data will show us those things, and we'll adjust. So give us a couple of weeks with that to make sure we get it right. If you go by once and it doesn't work right, go by again. Because you go by again, that adds to the numbers, that adds to the data, and we'll get this thing dialed in. All right? We also have a new pharmacist down at Cedar Care Village Pharmacy. If, if you've seen him, you know him. His name is Stacy Cody. Uh, the pharmacy is up and running about the end of last school year. We really got it started. We got it rolling. But it's up and running now. And so it's connected to our school of pharmacy. So if you have needs, you can go down there. They'll help take good care of you. Uh, great guy, loves to serve people. If you have a need, you go see him. He will take good care of you. And then we're going to have campus delivery sorted out soon. So if you have uh, pharmaceutical needs, legal pharmaceutical needs, you can talk to Cedar Care Pharmacy. Uh, we can route that for you. If you have illegal pharmaceutical needs, then you're in trouble. I'm integrity and conduct. I'm just saying. All right. Okay. Vision statement, mission statement, core values. I want you to know who we are. I want to talk to you about them briefly. Not going to spend a lot of time on this. Here's our vision statement. For the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. You see it everywhere. It's everything we do. We want to do everything in such a way that we are standing for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Mission statement for our campus. Cedarville University transforms lives. We understand that we work alongside the Holy Spirit and the word of God to come together in an intentional effort to transform lives. We do that through excellent education. We're not going to dumb down the education here. We want it to be top-notch. And we also do that through intentional discipleship. And that is all in submission to biblical authority, which goes back to our vision statement, for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Our core values, you likely already know here at Cedarville University. Uh, let's see, did it back up? Are we there? There we go. All right. Love for God, love for others, integrity and conduct, excellence and effort. You'll see those all over campus. This is what we want you to do. This is your commitment. This is what we want to have happen. All right. Now I've got another goal. One of my other goals for this year, I'm not going to give you all of them, but one of my other goals for this year is to pursue becoming a more prayerful campus. The Lord is doing amazing things on campus. Enrollment, tremendous. Finances, tremendous. Donor, Affinity, tremendous, buildings going up, it's a really good time. What tends to happen to us in really good times is we become self-sufficient, we become prideful, we become arrogant, and when we do that, we tend to drift away from God, and as we drift away from God, then we end up being sinful, and when we end up being sinful, then we have to repent. Some of you may have experienced that this summer. You left on a high last May, you went somewhere this summer, you didn't have your quiet time like you were supposed to, you weren't plugged into a church, you weren't in chapel, you didn't have the Bible minor, you got into all sorts of mess that you shouldn't have been into over the summer, and we're going to go into Bible conference, and I'm going to challenge you and urge you to repent and get right and get ready for another strong year in the Lord, because this is the cycle that's in the Old Testament, we'll talk more about that, but this is the cycle in our hearts too. So right now, really sweet season, so what do we do? I get really nervous. You say you get nervous in a sweet season. Yes, because I don't want us to get prideful, arrogant, or self-sufficient. I want it to keep going. I want the Lord to keep blessing. So we're going to have an intentional prayer effort because in seasons of success, we need to double down in dependence upon God. So we're going to have a specified time for prayer, 7 a.m., right here. 
If 10 of us show up, great. If 100 of us show up, great. Doesn't matter. Only if you want to be here. Seven o'clock is when it starts, right at seven o'clock, even if nobody's here but the person leading. We can pray at seven o'clock. At 7.45, whoever's leading it is gonna close it, either in a song or a prayer, and it ends at 7.50. So if you're praying at 7.44 and the clock hits 7.45, you're getting cut off, no offense, but it's on a schedule so that we make sure it functions right. The way it works is nobody can pray more than five minutes. You don't come to a prayer meeting to hear yourself talk. Sincere prayers of affection towards the Lord All of us just sharing our hearts together, asking the Lord to pour out revival on our campus to keep us close and dependent to him. If you pray longer than five minutes, they will cut you off or start singing. Singing is usually the way it worked in the prayer revival. If you read the history books, if you prayed more than five minutes, somebody would just start singing, they would drown you out, and then they would move on. No offense, but five minutes, that's all you get. Watch your clock, all right? And you can't pray more than twice in one meeting. So you can't dominate the meeting. And you say, nobody wants to do that. Yeah, they do. If you've ever been to a prayer meeting, I'm just saying. All right, sin works really well in prayer meetings too. Um, That's it. That's what we're going to do for there. Consistent place for prayer and then a cross-campus culture of prayer. Everywhere, anywhere, as you are. You say, I can't be here at 7 o'clock. Fine, pray in your dorm. I'm not up at 7 o'clock. Okay, whatever. Pray at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Pray at 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, I've got to go somewhere. I've got an internship or something. As you're driving, pray. Don't close your eyes. Keep your eyes open, but pray. Just pray that the Lord would keep us close to him, latched to the cross, and that is intentional cross-focused campus that prays without ceasing. That's what we want to do. So I've been working on my prayer life. Here's one way I've been working on my prayer life. So this was my dive trip this summer that I went on. Um, That is a Caribbean reef shark at 70 feet deep. What's that? That we went on. Joy's correcting me. She was there with me. Yes. Yeah, and she she likes to chase the sharks. I don't quite understand this, but... (laughs) I think the sharks are scared of her. I try to get in between and be the protector. And she's like, get out of my way and swim into the sharks. So I'm just like, I can't fuss because we're underwater. You can't take the regulator out of your mouth and talk. But anyway, it's, so this is just one of them we saw. I can show you a video if you want to see more about that. I also went on a bear hunt. I can show you a picture of that later, but I'm not going to show it to you now. I went on something else that was pretty special. It's an India mission trip with my daughter. So we went over to India and you can see one picture of us together there in the Taj Mahal I had the opportunity to bring extended greetings to many different areas of their enterprise. And so uh, Delhi Bible Institute was opening up a new center. So this is an amazing photo. Uh, Look at the photo on the right at the bottom. All of those are, are believers in Christ, followers of Christ in India. So those followers of Christ are in a region of the world which is considered one of the most unreached regions of the world. You see the slide. This slide's pointing out some of the unengaged, unreached people groups. You see the red dots. You can see there that India is one of the most unreached, unengaged people that you can find. So while we were over there, a few of the things that really impacted me was the prayerfulness of the Christians and believers who were in that area. Another thing that impacted me is we were able to go and see the Ganges River, and I saw... I saw cars with dead bodies on top, taking them and driving them to this river and walking them down this bank because if they dipped them in this river, it was going to mean a better afterlife, a better next life for them. It was their spiritual hope was the Ganges River. And if you've ever seen the Ganges River, it's not a clean river. It's not a pristine river. It's a river full of trash. And they would burn the bodies even and and just let them be there on the river. And it, it was not a pretty picture. And that's the hope. 
I was able to see in their holiest city, Varanasi, where they had some of the monks who were going into the monastery. And I looked at this long line of 30 to 40 people, some of them eight years old, some of them six years old, little boys who were being initiated into this monastery life and it's what they were going to have for the rest of their time. And as I looked at this and I looked at the hopelessness of the holy city and I looked at what was around, my heart broke because we have all of this. We get to worship every single day in this chapel. We get to sing praises to the Lord like you did today. We get to listen to sermons. We get to turn on our radios. We have the Bible everywhere. We are so inundated with the word of God that we are so blessed. And here's a culture of people that really don't have opportunity or access freely to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So in this, and in this time of prayer, we want to try to do more than just pray, even though we want to pray. And so we're going to actually start a pilot program. I don't know how it's going to work. We'll figure it out. But we are going to work to develop a strategic partnership, a pilot program with Delhi Bible Institute to help reach North India with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now it's a long plane flight. It can be at times a dangerous place. You can get sick when you go over there. And even with all that, my challenge to you is go ahead and start planning your mission trip to go to India. Go ahead and start planning, especially if you can do English as a second language, if you can help with health care, if you can help with VBS, if you can do summer camps, if you can help teach the Bible. Go ahead and start planning when is going to be the time that I'm going to go over there and help have part in the Great Commission to reach those in North India with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to work on this. We're going to have to fine-tune it. We're going to have to figure it out. I don't have all the answers. I may not have any of the answers yet, but we're going to get them, and we're going to keep working, and we're going to try to accomplish this. All right, let me briefly set up our sermon series for this year. We're going through Nehemiah. Title. We should give it up for Nehemiah, right? It's a pretty cool book. So title of the sermon series is going to be Faithful. So you'll see that around campus. You'll see the, the saying that I just I love to say frequently, God is faithful, you can trust him. Uh, it's, I can trust him too, but it's aimed at you. So God is faithful, you can trust him. You'll see that on the banners around. Uh, you'll see the theme verse that I've chosen is from Nehemiah 9.17. This is the verse you see throughout the Old Testament. But you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and did not forsake them. Now, this is an important verse if you're in that category that I mentioned earlier where you had a really bad summer. Because if you had a really bad summer, look at what the scripture says about God. God is ready to forgive. He is gracious. He is merciful. He is slow to anger. Bible conference is coming. We will have opportunity for invitation. You don't have to wait till then to get right with God. You can get right with God right now, asking the Lord to forgive you and set your heart and mind where it should be. You can do it in your dorm room. You can do it tonight at Bible conference. You can do it anytime. You can talk to your faculty members, your staff members, your RDs, your student life leaders, but make sure you get it right and get it on track moving forward. The big idea is even when we are faithless, God remains faithful. You see this in 2 Timothy 2.13, and that verse continues and says, for he cannot deny himself. He is a faithful God even when we are faithless. So here's one of the images that you'll see all around campus. We have a promise-keeping God in the midst of a promise-breaking people. So Nehemiah. So you want to know how to prepare for Nehemiah. I'm going to to launch into it next Monday. We're going to have a lot of fun going through it. But let me just set the stage for you. The children of Israel, 
They go into the promised land. Joshua takes them in. They conquer the land. They completely disobey God. They forsake God. They don't keep the Sabbath. They don't keep the seventh year of rest for the land. And so there's punishment that's coming. It's brewing. You know it's going to happen. You move to the book of Judges, and in the book of Judges, you see this cycle that occurs where they disobey God, and as they disobey God, God sends somebody to dominate them, and then they return and they repent to God, and God brings up a judge who delivers them, and then they have a time of peace, and then they become self-sufficient, and then they sin against God, and then somebody dominates them, and he raises up another judge. And if you've read the book of Judges, as you know, this is a continuous cycle that happens over and over and over again. And we start thinking in our mind, reading through hundreds of years of history in one book, you're thick-headed. Can't you get this through your mind that if you disobey God, bad things happen? But yet we know in our own heart, it's too often that same cycle occurs over and over and over again in us. So then you move to Babylon coming in and Babylon destroying uh, the Jewish people, and then taking them off. Before that happens, you had Shalmaneser V invading Israel around 722. Babylon comes in in the 600 BCs. They take away captives. And then you see Babylon, and they get all prideful and arrogant, and God humbles Nebuchadnezzar too. He starts eating grass like a cow. It's a really fun story. And then you have Cyrus who comes in and takes them down. And so Cyrus, the Persians, so then the Persians are in charge. And as the Persians are in charge, enter then the books of Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. And in the book of Ezra, what you see there in chapters 1 through 6, thereabouts, you have Zerubbabel who returns back to Israel to rebuild the kingdom, to rebuild the temple. So Zerubbabel comes back, rebuilds the temple, and then in between 6 and 7 of Ezra, you have the book of Esther, which takes place. Now, it's important. We'll come back to that. But that book of Esther takes place there, and you think about all of the, the Jews are going to be destroyed. Everything's going bad. God raises up Esther and Mordecai for such a time as this. And then that takes place. Then you go back to chapter 7 of, of Ezra as you're walking through. And you see that Ezra comes to restore the order and the worship of God. And he does this. Uh, in Esther, it's Ahasuerus, or Xerxes is the Greek name of the one who's in charge, the Persian king. And you see Ezra come back. And Ezra and Nehemiah are contemporaries. They work together. You see Nehemiah chapter 1, Nehemiah come back. You see there that is Artaxerxes that's giving the orders to come back, who's the son of Xerxes or Ahasuerus. And so there's a continuous line there. There, and you see that God is providing for his people in a way to rebuild the walls. Now, Nehemiah is not about a leader of great vision or a man of great prayer or a wall that's being built, even though all of that is there. It's about a people who are a promise-breaking people who have been exiled, who then come back and they hear the word of the Lord in chapter 8. And just for fun, chapter 8, when he preaches the word, he explains it. That's what we want done in chapel. You preach the word. You read the text. You explain the text so that the people understand the text. And then the people rejoice over the text, which is what we should do. And in that, it actually talks about the pulpit being built. They built a stage up, and they put them up on the stage. It's one of the reasons we do things like this today. And it says in there that the people responded with amen. So if you want to be people of the book this year, there's no reason you can't talk when a preacher's preaching. There's no reason you can't encourage a preacher. Even a bad preacher is encouraged by amens and feedback and people getting excited and clapping. So the worse the preacher is, just come on, clap for him. Give him some more help, all right? Yeah, I asked for that. By the way, whoever's planning on meeting here at 11 o'clock, you're going to be a little late. It'll be all right. Um, yeah, that's all of your freshmen, but it, it's all right. It'll be all right. So in chapel, here's what typically happens. We worship, 
We raise our hands. We're all excited. We clap. The preacher gets up, and I think out of respect. I really think that's why. We get really quiet. We don't say anything. It's my personality. We get really quiet. But there's no reason we can't rejoice over a good word from the Lord, over a good word that's spoken, truth being spoken to us. There's no reason. Some of you extroverts in the room, the reason I don't say amen really loud is because I'm not an extrovert, and it feels really weird. But if, if that's you, go for it. Thank you. Thank you. Be respectful. Do it at the right time. Listen. Engage. There's nothing wrong with the engagement we have right now, and we should have that same engagement over a text of Scripture with more excitement because it's eternal truth that's being put forward. That's in chapter 8. Thank you for that amen. I appreciate that. I should have paused longer. I'm going to have to work on that and learn. All right. This is what we're going to go through in, in Nehemiah. By chapter 8, they hear the word. By chapter 9, they're, they're rejoicing. They're keeping the festivals. They're doing what they should. The end of chapter 9, they make a covenant. Chapter 10, they sign all their names to the covenant. And by chapter 13, they're already not doing what they're supposed to do. So if you're in the room and you say, I keep tripping over my own feet. I keep messing up and I'm a sinner. Welcome to the club. Let's lock arms together. Let's rely on the Holy Spirit. Let's dig deep into the word of God. Let's rely on a God who is a faithful, promise-keeping, merciful God. And let's have revival on campus. They're going to come back up. They're going to sing us out. We'll get out pretty close to 11, but you guys will be delayed by the time everybody gets out. I want to pray for this year before we, before we launch into it. Bible conference. If you've been up to stuff this summer you shouldn't be up to, get right with God. There's somebody in the room. I'm not, I'm not a prophet. I'm not a psychic. There's always somebody in the room who likely doesn't know the Lord. There is no better place for you to come to know the Lord than Cedarville University. There is no better time than this week. So the devil's going to tell you, especially if you're an upperclassman, junior or senior, the devil's going to tell you, oh, I can't do that. That would be embarrassing. So to undermine the lies of the devil, how excited would you guys be if a junior or senior, freshman or sophomore came to know the Lord during Bible conference? So we had one student, I think it was Saturday night. My days are all running together. It's been so busy this week. Saturday night, after we had our new student session, came up and said, I, I need to do that. I need to pray to receive Christ. So we've already had one profession of faith here on campus this semester. My prayer is that the Lord will do something that I've never seen. I read about revivals where the fire falls and people confess their sin and they get right with God and their hearts cry out and they weep before the Lord and they just commit to serve and love him in a way like never before and they're changed. I want to see that. I want to see that. I want to see it this year. I want to pray for that to happen this year on our campus. And so I want you to join me in prayer for that to happen on campus. We, we, can't, we can't make God do it. 
But we can plead with God, and we can continue to plead with God, and maybe God will allow it to happen. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, we come to you acknowledging that we are sinful and there is nothing good in us. Lord, we are filthy rags before you. Lord, we confess that those in leadership, those who are faculty, those who are staff, those who are students, Lord, we all have our sin issues. We struggle with the flesh. We struggle with temptation. And so, Lord, we confess that before you. We don't come bringing anything of worth. And, Lord, we still plead to your mercy and to your grace. Lord, would you send revival? Lord, would you allow my heart to be changed? Would you allow all of our hearts to be changed so that our affections and our affinities are focused towards you and not on the things of this world, that, Lord, we serve you, that we seek to serve you, Lord, that we, we exalt you and we glorify you for you are worthy. And so, Lord, would you just move during Bible conference and during this semester, would you allow us as we sing to sing praises from the bottom of our heart joyfully to you, God, for you are a gracious, merciful, loving God. And Lord, with all of our junk that we have in our lives, would you help us just to get rid of it? Would you help us to deal with it, to acknowledge it, to put it aside, to put it behind us? Would you help us to run hard and fast after you as our one magnificent obsession? And not for our glory or not so that people would say things about Cedarville University, but Lord, only for your glory and for your fame and for your sake. And in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.